blacker than black and I'm black, y'all. I'm black. It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast with your host, Earl Markham. And Latoya Broaders, a.k.a. the Ballhead Truth. See, now you done, you done changed it. So usually when you introduce me, you say the real Ballhead Truth. Now, don't get don't get too comfortable over there, okay? And the hell with the real ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, the real got- ball head truth, y'all. <laughs> real ball head lie. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're gonna get into it, y'all. We got a we got a special guest today, man. We've been we've been real blessed and lucky with the guests we've been having lately. Um, this brother, you guys, a lot of you all may know, um, have seen some of his other videos on um on YouTube, uh, particularly on Vlad TV. Um, he's uh, formerly with, with, was one of the head muscle with Death, Death Row Records uh, and Suge Knight. Uh, I want y'all to welcome James McDonald, also known as Mob James. All right, yeah, we got Mob James. How you doing, my uh, James? I'm good, my brother. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right, man. Hey, I'm so excited to have you today, man. I, I, it's it's funny how how um, how things work. You know, when I first saw you on um, Vlad. TV a couple of years ago, never thought that I would end up having you on my show. Why not? Why not? Man? <laughs> I'm, I'm working with everybody. Yeah, I appreciate man. it. I appreciate it. So let's get into it. Um, so let's let's start from from the early days. You was uh, born and raised in Compton, California, right? Moved to Compton in '73. Okay. Well, you was born. What? Where were you born? I was born in LA, but I I left. I lived on 118th in town. Okay. And my moms and, and pops uh, got their first house, which was in Compton in 72, 73. So moved in, been there ever since. Okay. Okay. So you, you go by the name, uh, you, especially in younger days, you went by the name of Mob James and Mob stuff for Mob Piru. At what age did you get involved in the gang life in Compton? Well, I was tested as soon as we moved to Compton and, you know, the guys in the neighborhood, young cats such as myself, little dudes, my pops was kind of, I ain't going to say strict, but kept us at the house doing the yards and and all that shit. And, uh, you know, going to school, I went to uh, elementary and got into it in the third, fourth grade with the guys in the neighborhood. So I left school and came home, got two bunch of knives and proved myself. And I'm chasing motherfuckers around the playground as they was playing kickball. I'm chasing them with butcher knives, trying to poke their motherfucking ass. So <laughs> right then and there, I was just known as a badass kid. Um, wind up getting kicked out of elementary uh, Stephen C. Foster for socking the teacher in the nose and uh, had to go to L.A. So I went to Parmalee and then Drew Junior High. From there, school wasn't wasn't an issue for me. I'm full blown gang banging. And, you know, yeah, I, I went from there. I went, you know, oh, had so a homeboy. So you've been a bad motherfucker from way back. Like <laughs> You started off being a bad motherfucker, huh? Well, <laughs> My the way I was taught, you know, I had a I had a very very uh, rough childhood with my with my pops, and you know I was one of those kids out of five that 
this dude didn't think I was one of the litter. And oh. he took all his, his aggression and anger out on me. He was also in the motorcycle club. He was a rising sun. And when he come from the motorcycle club, he used to wake me up and whoop my ass, mm. you know, just out of GP. He just, you know, I would go to Texas with this dude. His family didn't accept me. The dude put me on the trailway bus and sent my ass home as a kid. So I felt nobody can ever treat me like that dude did, especially whooping on my ass. Right. So I believed in proving a point to people offhand. I went from zero to a hundred. And I don't think at our age, 12, 13, cats didn't understand zero to a hundred. And right. I learned by any means necessary as a child. So that got me to where just going to school, I was ready for whatever. And whatever came, I, I was that guy. So can I ask you a question? Because I'm not from California. So I, I've heard of mob. Does this stand for anything? Uh, that was my neighborhood. It was that, that was, was my neighborhood. Okay. And since I look at here, as soon as I get on the phone, people want to come. <laughs> I got my name by being the asshole in the hood, being the the one that's in everything, doing everything, and they just named me after the hood. Nigga, you ain't Big Mac, Little Mac, you mob James, you the mob. And mm. I, you know, I, I didn't accept that because I believed in. You know, I'm just like a regular motherfucker in the hood, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I'm subject to get killed. I'm subject to get jumped on. I'm subject for everything like everybody else. But I handle, I handle business totally different than the homeboys did. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't believe in getting shot at and not retaliate. I believed in retaliation. And I learned that from my, my pops, you know, and it just, it just took me there. Yeah. So can I ask you a question? I mean, I'm asking questions at, for people that don't know you because I, I mean, I just recently did a lot of homework on you to, to, to get more familiar with you. But like, are you a big dude in stature? Like, like how tall are you? Like I'm six feet. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out how, cause you seem like you intimidating than the motherfucker. I just wanted to know like, what? why you say that? <laughs> I mean, just, I, I'm, I'm, but your reputation is intimidating. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering, like, how and, big you and, are in stature. And I'm going to say this. I'm not the only guy out there that was in Compton or in L.A., South Central, that had a reputation or was uh, that dude. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. To me, I'm just a regular cat. Like, like the things I do now, I tell everybody I'm a regular cat. You know, but I just believed in certain things. When I was gangbanging, I believed in gangbanging. And that was my purpose. And my purpose was the opposite for me. I was, I, I carried a red rag and I didn't believe in the blue rag. I didn't believe in hanging out and doing all that. But I had homeboys. One of my best friends was a kitchen crib. You know what I'm saying? So I considered them family and I knew what was off limits and what what wasn't off limits. See, you know what, what I mean? don't think what I don't think that y'all you or E understand is that y'all are from the West Coast, so y'all 
have grown up looking at the gang banging and seeing things happen and stuff like that. And you being involved in the gang banging with me being from the East coast, like I, we weren't exposed to something like that. We just heard stories of it. So when y'all sit around and tell y'all stories about how people represent their hood and represent their clique and, you know, go back and forth, it's amazing to me. Like California, the culture period is just amazing to me. So when I listen to this stuff, it's like fireside stories. It's like, I'm sitting around like in awe, like, wow, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm just like, when I meet, when I met you and I met Big U, these are people that I'm just like, I'm just in awe of y'all, of the things that I've heard, you know? Right. Yeah, I tell I, I tell people all the time, like I've lived, you know, after I got high school, I went to the military. So I was exposed around a, a lot of different people from different places. And, you know, I used to go to Louisiana every summer because that's where my mom's from. And people really are intrigued with LA, but it's so funny because they think that the Crips is one gang and the blood is one, and blood is one gang. They don't yes. realize that that the Crip and Blood just represent the color. You got a yes. trillion, you got a trillion different sets, and all you know, all some some all Crips don't get along, and right. all blood, you know, it's just it's so many different fractions, and it's it's just crazy. But you know, I, and like for James growing up in LA, he could probably tell you like for them to be being Bloods, they were outnumbered. You know, it was you had to you had to really prove yourself, and you really had to be for real, for real, with what you was, because being a blood, the options was, was limited. You couldn't go to jail without running into a hundred crips. If you bowed down one time, that carried everywhere you went. You got okay, so, so it was like a, it was like, so you trying to tell me like, so being a blood was, it was like more, in, it was, I ain't gonna say more intense because I don't want to disrespect nobody, but it was like, Y'all, it wasn't a lot of y'all, so that really, like, if you seen a blood, you like, oh, this nigga for real with his shit, eh? To be a blood, you had to be with the business. Uh, we had a lot of guys that were bloods that wasn't, and it showed going to the county jail. Going to the county jail, it was, it was mostly Crips. I, and I ain't gonna say mostly Crips. We was always outnumbered, like the penitentiary. I hit a yard and it's... 75, 100 Crips, and it's nine Bloods. You know what I'm saying? You had to be ready for that battle. If you was not ready for that battle, you roll it up. Whatever prison you went to, you was considered a clown, coward, uh, a, a mark. So that wasn't a title that I was ready to carry. So whatever came, it came. Whether, you know, do or die pretty much. So there's so many guys out there had to prove that point being a blood. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And we had, we were outnumbered, but we had the advantage because the Crips fought each other and they fought over power. We fought over, we, we had unity. You know, the Parus and the Bloods were like solid. We didn't fight each other. We weren't killing each other at the beginning of time. So we pretty much was kind of like, it kind of balanced it out. You know what I'm saying? But if you got caught slipping, you got that ass whooped. Uh, can you take an ass whooping and, and, and ride with it? 
I couldn't take an ass whooping and ride with him. I ain't give a fuck where you was from. We gonna find you. So, you know, it was just, you had to be a certain kind of way to be a blood. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You had to. If you didn't have that in you, then it don't make no sense to even do it or try. Oh. Okay. Okay. I understand. So let's 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 move forward. Where where'd you go to high school at, Jane? I went to goddamn, I went to all of them. I went to <laughs> you did the tour. <laughs> when they finally yeah, well, when they finally let me back in the company unified, I went to Dominions. I was in high school when they finally let me go back to the uni uh company unified. I stayed there two days and got kicked out. Gang banging, spitting no motherfuckers, gang banging. I seen one of the homeboys sitting on the bench with the uh, the Crips got pissed off and I wore a uniform, but I considered a uniform when I went to school and it, it got me in trouble. I had a, a, a shirt with a red skeleton, with a skeleton with a red rag on it, joint in his mouth. I had a, one of them black jackets with power on it, CK. I wanted to be known as who I was and went to school and, and was confronted about my jacket and shit and my, my P hat with power on it. And it was on from there. After fighting with, with, with the Crips, I had a fight with the security. They so-called, they said, wanted to handcuff me. I wasn't having it. So they said, no, you can't go here. So they kicked me out of there. I went to Centennial. When I got to Centennial, I said, fuck it. I just went to school for lunch the activities. <laughs> so when, when, when I, would, I would go to school exactly lunchtime when they blew that whistle, we hit the gate and I'm, I'm, I'm game banging at lunch. And after lunch, hit that gate, I'm back in the hood. And we, we wouldn't, we didn't go. If I went to class, I went to one and that was math and homeroom or some shit like that. <laughs> I got 900 people calling my fucking oh, phone. Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's all I did. So did I graduate anything? No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. You know, uh, if I wasn't in the neighborhood, I was in Los Madrinas some motherfucking way. And then when I got older, it was the county jail. You know what I'm saying? And just going to the blood module to hang out with the homies right. or to fight one of the homeboys to discipline him for some BS that happened in, in there. He didn't he didn't stand up or represent like he should have. I went to the county jail just to conduct business. And we went to the blood module and we had activity days. And so you like would that. get you would get locked up in order to go to jail to discipline somebody? Well see I I didn't I didn't believe in paying tickets and shit. And going to jail, then a ticket was number two days. And I went, one time I went, I had tickets. So I said, fuck it. I turned myself in for the tickets because one of my homeboys, he had another guy stick a toothbrush up his ass. And that's a no no. Wow. So when that happened, I went in there. And, and uh, I got him and, and I broke his jaw and his mama called my mama telling my mama I need to pay his medical bills. My mama said, your son doing the same shit my son doing. Get over it. And 
that was it. Wow. Yeah. So so let's let's fast forward now into uh to the, I guess into the into the 90s. Um how did you get involved with with uh with Suge Knight in the whole death row scene? Well, Suge been from the neighborhood, living in the hood, never from the hood. He was he wasn't a gang member. Um but he lived in the hood. I went to prison in 86, got out in 88. And when I touched down, that next day, Suge came to the house. He looked out for me and asked me, did I want to make money? Yeah. So I think the following week or two after that, I went out of town with him. You know what I'm saying? Fresh out of, fresh out of prison. And he started a, hold up, hold up, Papa talking. He started a, a record label called Fern Hill Records. And it went from there. Okay, so you was with him before the death row. Before death row, when it, it, it was crazy because Fern Hill Records, I was we was already in it. So I was supposed to have been that guy that that took care of certain things that he didn't have to take care of. So I was him. Uh, Jerry Heller, like going to Ruthless when they was trying to form death row. We need to get Dre and Mr. Lay over here. I was the guy to go to Ruthless Records and say, we want these goddamn contracts. No, no negotiate, no nothing. Let me get that. We so, got it. So basically, like when you came home from prison, I'm sure your reputation already preceded who you were. So, so, so the should come over there like he was forming a team, like he came over there with that purpose, like he was forming, like he knew what your purpose was going to be? Yeah. Okay. See, one thing okay. about that is, like, we did a thing called the Budweiser Superfest. Mm -hmm. And Suge yeah. would come to the hood and Suge, how many, how many homies can you get? He didn't know none of these people. And how many homies do you want me to get? How many homies do you need? So when he told me to get as many as I can, I just got to calling the homies from, from all over the place. And we had maybe 50, 60 homeboys in the back backstage. And it fucked him up that we had so many, and he's seen that many bloods back there. Now Suge is talking to everybody and getting, you know, this is what he want to do the whole nine. So what Suge wanted to do is get as many as guys that he wanted. So the first ones were handpicked. So all the killers, it was like 12, 13, that was really like from our hood, we 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 brought them in. You know, it was me, first the little homies, and then when Death Row started, then here come my little brother Buntry, fresh out of prison. Everybody that came out of prison had a job. Everybody that was that that didn't think twice about taking a nigga life had a job. Hmm. And when those guys start seeing a paycheck and they was getting bonuses for knocking motherfuckers out, it was home. Yeah. It was home. So they didn't have to go out and do that extra silly shit like, you know, a normal motherfucker in the hood would do to get those new tennis shoes and to dress a certain kind of way. They was getting a check. So I want to, mm. I want to, elaborate a little bit more on the knocking motherfuckers out, but I want to go back for a second. Um, 
so were you were you one of the ones that went in there and got Dre and Michelle out of out, from Ruthless out of that contract? Yeah. Wow. I, it was me and three three of my little homies. So can you tell us how that all happened? How, how it went down? Without well, we uh, we we went to Ruthless. Me and three of my little homies, and I don't want to say their names. No, no. I'm gonna incriminate me. <laughs> and sure, we went and. uh Easy wasn't there, so it was Jerry Heller, his bodyguards or whatever, and uh, we walked in there. The bodyguard stood up and was like, Jerry ain't ain't talking to nobody. Suge was finna move him out the way. That's not Suge's job. I got in the way, did like this. Dude looked, he moved to the side. Suge <laughs> went in there. I closed the door. Suge had his uh, meeting with Jerry while we kept the front at bay. And uh, Chill came out with what he wanted. We left. So job so the, completed. So the movie was, the movie scene was not real. That, I was so mad when they did that bullshit because I'm like this, why not keep it 100 with what's going on and how you live in your life? These dudes, put it out there like as if they were straight gangsters and with the bullshit. They weren't gangsters and with the bullshit. And if if I can walk in that motherfucker and do what I did, just imagine what Death Row did to the majority of the motherfuckers that had a problem with such and such. You feel me? So at the beginning it was just it was just it was rough for people. What did they what did they show in the movie? In the movie, they showed that Easy E was there and they beat him up and all that stuff. No, nah, Easy Easy wasn't there. And then they started making songs about each other. And Easy was right. Easy kept all his files at home. And Dre they made Dre still had to pay Easy money. So Easy getting beat up. I never saw that. I never saw that. Um, which it was a lot of people getting took advantage of at that time. Um, sometimes I used to feel guilty about some of the shit we used to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some of the people that, you know, one incident, you know, Chill wanted me to slap the shit out of this one motherfucker. You know, this dude come to work and do his thing. And, and it was like, I'm not, no, I ain't going to hit him. For, for nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I had principles, but sometime it was just on some fuck it. And I got to a point where I got tired of the bullshit and, and stopped, you know, treating people a certain kind of way. I left. Yeah, I, I, had, I, I, I had a friend that was a producer that was in that camp for a little while. And he was, <laughs> he was like, man, motherfuckers was getting their ass whipped daily up in there. And, and, and you hear these dudes on these videos and all this other bullshit, nothing like that. Yeah. Them dudes didn't stand up and the only one that I can honest, I can honestly be 100 with is, and that was Daz. Mm -hmm. That was Daz. Daz kept himself 100 and he was good. Yeah, I always he heard was, he was, he got out. Motherfuckers Did, didn't respected you, him. Didn't you, take, didn't you take somebody's car? <laughs> I was hesitant and, to ask about the, the well, six really, <laughs> see, see, what happened was we was all in the hood 
and they wanted to do, they was going to do gin and juice at the house, but they didn't do it. But Dre had the car up there and it started running hot. So I had my guy that works on my car fix the car. When he fixed the car, Suge didn't want to pay for it. So I told him, okay, you don't want to pay for the motherfucker, you won't get the car back. So when Dre asked for the car, I told him, you ain't getting shit. If you want the car, go in my backyard and get it. He never came in my backyard and got it. So <laughs> she gave me a nice check for the car. And I just felt like I'm, I'm going to be an asshole about it. I ain't giving up the car. I'm keeping it. So I'm in the hood dipping, swap me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing in the motherfucker. So I just got to the point where, man, I'm, I'm loving this motherfucker. So all the tension in it. So I didn't want to give it back. So Shug made me mad. I cussed him out. I got another check for it. So me being me, an uh, asshole at the time, I stripped the whole car down to the drums and told him to come get the motherfucker. Wow. How y'all like me now? So they put some tires on that motherfucker and had to re reconstruct the whole goddamn car because I took the rag top off that motherfucker. Wow. I took the hydraulics. The rims, the music, the seats. I just, I just that, was, was that was that the blue the blue rag one the, the blue one that was on the Chronic album? Yeah, the Chronic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you just so, then you just asked me like a couple minutes ago why somebody would be intimidated by you. Did you? Is that are you the same person to ask me that? No, I just believe if if, if, <laughs> if if a guy gonna be a certain kind of way, and then you 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 another guy come at you and confront you with the same bullshit, you got to be ready for that. So that's what I did. I don't know at that time if Suge was proving like he was a big homie or bigger than me. Nigga, I bring you to this shit. I introduce you to these niggas, and you damn sure ain't going to make me look different to nobody. And so, every time you got mad, you got a check. I got a check. <laughs> I didn't have to work. <laughs> You just so get I, mad. <laughs> so how was, a lot um, of people found that out, and and a lot of people start doing that. Wow. So so in the movie too was you know like in the movie it kind of made it seem like Dre was kind of a hog in there you know fighting and all that was. <laughs> how, how how was that especially like when you saw him like hit one of the bloods and all that in the movie was all that kind of stuff true? If Dre. Or if anybody that been to death row and seen how those guys and everybody worked, everybody should have been on that on the phone, on Facebook or whatever, saying, Dre, you're a motherfucking lie. You was not that nigga. You wouldn't built like that. And that's an insult to every motherfucker that was on that goddamn movie. And they knew that was a that was that shit was a joke. If Dre would have touched any motherfucker. Why in the fuck did Dre walk away from death row with nothing? He he done demanded his because he that nigga. You done sucked the nigga, you done sucked the blood and walked away from it with, with no repercussions. That's bullshit. Every nigga that was on that payroll was out of fresh out of prison or come from a penitentiary. And ain't nowhere in the world Dre would have hit one without another one and another one and another one beating his ass. Uh, Unheard of. So for him to do that and, and, and be proud of it, 
Come on, man. You a sucker and you knew you was a sucker. And I can say it. You're a fucking clown for making that movie. <laughs> yeah. wow. Oh, I love this. I love this. So, <laughs> so no, that's real shit. I mean, you was nothing like that at Death Row. So don't go out and make a movie. You know, Suge is, is in jail. And that's one thing. Don't disrespect because that movie disrespected every blood that that was at death row or every motherfucker that was there that know the real. Mm-hmm. So you do is really want to disrespect, but it just shows what type of cast you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? They can't go in there and tell the truth. Oh, them niggas was whooping my ass. He can't tell the truth. Suge was giving me a check when he felt I needed it or Suge was pushing me in my... You know, he can't go in there and tell the truth because now everybody know what type of nigga he is. And it, no man want to be or be looked at like that. So that's why he lied. Just just being that death row was like, it sound like when you come to work, you don't know if you're going to have to fight for your life or if you're going to, I mean, what's going to go on? Like, it, that's how death row guys, was more than just a name, huh? <laughs> that's, how, that's how most of those guys felt. You know, when they when they came, they didn't know who was going to be next, who was going to get the shit slapped out of them, who, who was going to get socked just for walking on the red carpet, who was going to get socked by being too close to the phone. You know, and, and they was, you know, Sheldon was on some dumb shit, some dumb shit. And niggas was getting their ass whooped, walking in, just say, for instance, just, I'm, and I'm just speaking hypothetically. You pick up this phone, you're getting your ass whooped. If if you walk in that motherfucker and your pants are zipped, you're getting your ass whooped. If you look a certain kind of way, you was getting beat up, you know? Somebody was chastising that ass. And Suge had the right people in position to do that. Because yeah. he was feeding them, basically, right? Yeah, wow. yeah exactly. Y'all yeah, so, always, always felt like with the power that Death Row had and the money and the influence, they missed the opportunity to do positive in the black community. Is that fair to say? It's, it's Yeah, it's way fair to say because where it should have went, should, should still be here, mm. should, should still be sitting behind the desk. Yeah. And, you know, should didn't, didn't want to understand that, you know, the shit that I was talking to him about. Now it's time to put the homies in suits. Right. A pair of slacks and a nice shirt, and let us look presentable. When Chug went to a certain club or whatever, here you have us pulling up in '77 Cadillacs on Dayton's, '68 Chevys, uh, Impalas. We weren't pulling up in Mercedes Benzes, so people never took us serious as being businessmen. We was always gangsters, the, the thug entourage. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So they didn't see no different. And anytime you get the police involved in any situation you in, it, it ain't gonna last long because now they're gonna try to find a way to get rid of you. And right. that's what we had. You know, we had the police trying to get rid of. I am so. I you know. The California lifestyle to me is just so amazing. I feel like I could talk about this like all day. Like this is, it's like a, 
I, you see it happening and you see all the, you know, the Suge Knight. If you want to, you know, you don't want somebody dancing in the videos. Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Right. But it's amazing to notice this uh, shit was really going so everything you, you brought that up. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to ask, James, were you, were you in New York at the Source Awards that night? No, no. At care. that time, I didn't like the direction that Death Row was going. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that it wasn't nobody as if it wasn't nobody, it wasn't no more asking about this. So the homies start fighting each other. And you know, when I walked away, I tried to get my brother to walk away from the shit. And uh we had a hydraulic shop called Let Me Ride Hydraulic. So I focused on that. So I started hiring my grandfather, my uncles, you know, putting people in position. I'd rather do this than go back to prison, because now we're looking at penitentiary time. We got the feds, we got everybody looking at us. So Suge didn't want that change. You know, I had Suge, you don't need to be on camera. You don't need to be taking pictures for buy. This is what we here for. We here to work and do the rough shit. If anything need to be done, that's on us. Suge wanted to be one of us. And that that that's what that was his problem. That was his downfall. He wanted to be against. Right. He wanted to be against, and he wasn't. He, you can look like anything, but you wasn't cut from that cloth to be what the what the cats around you were. Right. And he paid for it at the end of the day. And 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 not only not only that. It seemed like almost like he groomed Tupac to be the same way to to right. want to be a gangster. Right. We 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 getting ahead. I want to get to the Tupac okay. part, but Sorry. I want to back. Yeah, no, nah, it's cool. <laughs> we gonna get there. <laughs> but at, what, at, at what point? You know, you speak of your brother Bunchy. At what point did he get into to the death row scene? Because I know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when you guys got first started, he was locked up, right? No, we were still at Fern Hill. We was doing Fern Hill, Fern Hill records, and then just transitioning into Death Row. Uh, Bunchy was doing a nine. He got nine years for attempted murder on the police, which was a police dog. Uh, oh shit! He was involved in a a drive-by, allegedly in a drive-by situation. And this this is a, a true story, funny in the motherfucker. If he was here today, I laugh at the nigga, and I always talk about it. They was in a vehicle that didn't have no reverse, so they couldn't bag up. Uh, old lady refused to move out the street, so they couldn't get away. So they jumped out the car and ran. He went up under a house. They sent a police dog up under the house to get him. He choked out the police dog. They had to go <laughs> up under there. They hear the dog. This is what they said at the trial the whole night. So he had to go up under there and get his dog. My brother was choking the dog out. So when they did that, he came out and they gave him attempted murder on, on the police. On the dog. Yeah, the so dog. they gave him nine years. So when he got out, he wow. came straight to death row. And when he came home, Bunchy, you stay with Shug. You, you stay with Shug. So now Suge is getting familiar with Buntry. Now he's going out of town and doing all that. I'm, I don't like to fly. And now him and Suge is 10-8 tight. So I was good. I knew Suge was going to be good. And um, 
It went from there. You know, he became, you know, the head guy for sure. So my mistake was letting it go as far as it did instead of just putting that check on my brother. You know what I'm saying? Because we had our fights about death row. We had our, our big arguments and didn't talk for a certain period of time behind certain things and our friendship. And he wanted to stay. I chose to bounce. I seen the bigger picture. And I just left and did my thing and we did the hydraulic shot. So now let's now with the Tupac thing, where you were you you were gone by you really weren't active with Death Row by the time Tupac got there, right? Yeah, I was I was still around. Yeah, I was still there. Okay. Yeah. So how did how did he get I mean, was he actually trying to claim mob? Because I used to hear him, you know, say MOB and all that on the red. Was he actually trying to claim the hood? Well, when they brought Tupac was coming to the hood, he was quiet as fuck. He wasn't saying shit. And I guess that's just because he's trying to get familiar with certain individuals. No, he wasn't claiming the hood. But then as time went by, Tupac got the mob on him. So now I'm mad. I'm mad because I live for this shit. I didn't, I didn't have homies die in my arms. We don't do this. So my brother and everybody that was, the majority of the guys that was working for Death Row accepted Tupac and say, that's the homie. No, he's not. No, he's not. I mean, talented as fuck. A, a cool cat, whatever. Every time I mention Tupac, motherfuckers be mad at me like a motherfucker, but I'm keeping it 100. Right. He wasn't and shouldn't have been in the middle of that gangster shit that, that mm -hmm. the homies was on. Right. You know what I'm saying? New York and Compton is two different get downs. Mm -hmm. The way they gang bang and the way we gang bang here. Mm -hmm. And and I, I tell him he had no business and none of the homies had no business putting him in a situation where he thought he was comfortable going to take off on another motherfucker. You ain't from the hood. And I got into it with Suge and them. I was mad at the shit the whole night. So I really didn't want to fuck with that. But then the night of, I'm here security for 662. They at the MGM doing their thing or whatever. And I didn't understand. Why did y'all let him go take off on the motherfucker? He ain't never seen a day in his life. Right. So why the fuck is he fighting? Especially, this is what we get paid for. What changed? This is what we get paid for. And at the same time, our hoods is going at it. Our neighborhoods is going at it. Behind the death row and puffing them shit. We going at it. And the chain you know and I'm all saying? that. Yeah, so they put him in a, in, a, in a position to where Pac wanted to prove himself to those cats right there, that mm. crew, that he was with the business. And it cost him his life. Yeah. He I, I mean, now that I know like the dynamics of how things work out there, well, you know, I'm trying to get a better understanding, shall I say. Like, I've seen the videos and he was like leading the way, like he was leading the way through the hotel and like he was like he was the leader of some shit. And I'm looking like... What you're seeing in the video is he just took off on a motherfucker 
the homies and everybody giving him his praise. Pac did that, Pac did that. Now he feeling he feeling good about what he did, which, like I said, he shouldn't have never been in that situation. That was the homies' job to get at Orlando. That was for the homies to do. You know, we the bloods in, in the Crips here. You the artists. Right, you so, the money maker. So what uh, for the people who don't know as well as myself, what what was the beef between him and Orlando? What I mean, what what start like what made them fight when they saw each other? He didn't he, well, well it, was a, it was a big situation, big issue going on where uh Puffy and them put a ten thousand dollar bounty on the death row chains. Oh. At that time, all the homies had the chain. Mm -hmm. So Orlando and one of my other little homeboys got into it at the mall. Orlando tried to take the chain. So now it's on. Now everybody knows what's going on. So that 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 anticipated anticipated the whole mob and South Side thing. Now the South Sides are involved in this music beef between Puffy and them and Tupac. Oh, okay. So it just went from a small beef to a big ass beef and. You know, those guys played on that. And a lot of people paid for it. A lot of people mm. paid for some BS. Was that was you that, that a, was that like a, a rumor or was that a confirmed thing that act, that they actually put the bounty out for those? Oh, no, no, that was for real. That was for real. Yeah, wow. yeah that was for real. Wow. I can go all the way to Big Jack, one of the homies that got killed out there. Fucking with shit. In, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of the homies was already mad because of Big Jake. And, but they stuck with this, this Suge Knight show, which everybody should have walked away from that bullshit and just took it and let it be something personal for us as gang members. Handle your business. Just like with the South Sides and us, we didn't do that. We allowed it to become a music industry gang war. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. that's what it—that's what it turned into, and it didn't have to go there. Because you know, what from, I'm my, from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, you all from from, from the Ma Paru side was you know with Death Row or whatever, and then when that whole East Coast West Coast or Death Row versus um, Bad Boy situation, supposedly from what I have read and heard that uh, Puffy went to the South Side Crips, but they back up right. And that's right. kind of how they all got involved and how it just escalated from there, right? Right. He got with Keepy D and Keepy D incorporated some of his homeboys just like we did. And now this uh, street thing, Compton Bloods, Compton Crips, now they at each other. And I'm going to tell you, I remember that one point, that one little time when, when a lot of people from Death Row was getting killed, that was associated with Death Row, was getting killed. Um, like, it seemed like it was back to back to back, man. And, you know, your brother was one, correct? Right, right. Because I, I can remember, you know, we all into the motorcycles and stuff. I had a guy around the corner from me, he had either built Suge's bike or worked on it, that like, kind of like champagne colored soft tail he had. Yeah. He ain't never ride it. <laughs> <He's right. laughs> they were like, hey, we ride, we, we, we going on, we ride with Suge, you know, we going down riding and, you know, we be hanging out, he be paying you, 
paying for everything. You want to go? I was like, fuck no, I don't want to go. I saw all these people getting killed around, around uh, Sugar. No, no, I'm cool. At that time, everybody that was associated with had an inside hit on them. You know what I'm saying? We lost one of the little homeboys in front of my mama house. His girl was pregnant. They walked out the house and he was shot 18, 19 times. She was shot, I think three or four, uh, lost her arm or something. And, mm. um, you know, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, my brother stopped at the gas station and uh, got out. He pumping his gas. Motherfuckers pulled up and hit him nine, ten times with an AK. And, uh, you, you know, know, you know, it's crazy. I was just getting ready to tell you the one that I remember the most was the gas station incident. And I didn't know that was your brother. That was, that that was, was my little brother. Yeah. Because that was that one made the news big time. Yeah, because of who he was and because he was Suge top bodyguard at the time. And, you know, now you got the homies turning into pet bulls and wolves against each other. Everybody wanted that stake. Everybody wanted to keep up a certain, wanted to have a certain profile. Everybody was looking good and dressing good at the time. Everybody was doing their thing opposed to, you know, penny pitching from the hood, you know what I'm saying? Didn't have to sit out there and sell dope on the corner, you know, with the competition, nine, 10 niggas, 15 niggas on one block running the cars. So they got accustomed to the shit. And by any means necessary, didn't nobody want to go back to that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it became inside. So the homies start plotting against each other. And one of my things with Suge is, don't you see what the fuck is happening? When you get, pet bulls going at each other for just one piece of meat, somebody gonna die for that piece of meat. And that's what happened. And I tried to get my brother to walk away when the shit was going down. And he was just that type of person, like, fuck that, whatever. And he got caught slipping. And that's what happens when you get caught slipping. How long you know? ago was that? Bunchy was killed in 2002. Okay. Yeah, I remember, yeah, so, I, re I remember that when that happened. So so let me ask you a question. So was was Suge Knight, was was he this was he this big bad dude that would do anything or was he just as good as the people around him? Was I mean proof is in the pudding. After everybody was gone, Suge got knocked out. People was pouring pouring drinks on him. Um, one incident I, I, I always tell people, and I use it as an example, you know, Shield was playing, well, he didn't make the Rams football team. So a lot of those guys didn't like Shield for, you know, walking away and becoming successful without being a football player. And we was at, I think it was the Roxy, Roxanne, some shit like that on Sunset. And here come the Rams football team. So they arguing over females. So one of the Rams, his Porsche, instead of Suge handling his business right then and then when a motherfucker strapped your car, Suge called all the homies out the club. So when all of us came out the club and seen the confrontation, 
we was with handle your business and ask questions later. And when that motherfucker ran football, when that dude said, what the fuck these niggas gonna do? We showed him what we was gonna do. We whooped their motherfucking ass. <laughs> they was some big motherfuckers. <laughs> so after the fact, it was, we found out it was behind Suge and this one, this one individual that stretched this shit. Suge should have handled his business there. Uh, was Suge a buster? No, he wasn't a buster. But with the force that he had, he didn't have to take that can of man. He was able to fit in because he was big and because people was afraid of his entourage, should I say, mm -hmm. the people that he had behind him. Yeah. So was, was he a force to reckon with before death row? I, yeah, motherfuckers could, it was whatever. Suge was, wasn't was a gang member. Mm -hmm. Never been a gang member. Suge never hung on the block and had a bandana on his head or in his pocket. Suge didn't have to sell drugs and, and do drive-bys or he never been in a car with me. So he wasn't considered a bona fide blood until he started hanging with bona fide bloods. So yeah. he pretty much, so he pretty much played his way in and, and became yeah. that shield knight. You know, everybody, okay. you know, everybody can't possess that. Everybody and the power that he had, he had, he didn't know what to do with it. And it cost him. It cost him everything. Yeah. Just to be that Bugsy Siegel he wanted to be. To be one of the homies cost him everything. Yeah, I always say, man, it just—it was just such a wasted opportunity. They could have, yeah. could have done such great things. Well, you know, you know I sound and, like and, and and the cold part about it is, he didn't understand the dynamics. He didn't understand that, you know, now the cutthroats is out there. Now you got motherfuckers sicking females on him, and and now he doing shit that he never done. The blow, the cigars, the the drinking. And that took him from being a businessman to just one of us. Right. You know what I'm saying? How can you control and, and uh, or take care of business when you ain't thinking business? You're thinking homies. You're thinking hood. You're thinking hanging out. And it took him out of his element. So, so ask me this, because it, it seems. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just from the way you talk as far as with the money and the pay, it seems like he didn't treat you all like employees where you were actually on the payroll. It would just seem like more or less like he would, he go some money here, he, you know, like randomly. Or, or if you got pissed off, he'd go a check to, to calm you down or something. Were you guys actually like, like was like a business type atmosphere where you guys was on the payroll or was it just like he go a car or he go, it goes a few thousand or whatever here, you know. No, everybody, we was on the payroll. Pay, okay. But this, this is the trick. Wait a minute. This, this is what it was. Everybody was getting a paycheck, but everybody was getting something that they accepted. Okay. And this is this this is where it becomes our fault because we accepted what he gave us. So you can't complain. So okay, we got the paycheck, but when the homies got to fighting each other and and Suge was in the middle of it, Suge would buy you off and say, here, I got a bike for you. I got a car for you. I got, take this apartment. 
You know what I'm saying? And the homies would squash that beef. You know what I'm saying? And if a homie got mad at him, his way of fixing it is through go get a check. And homies would squash that because this is money they don't have to work for. They don't have to go out there and, 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 and jack a motherfucker for. So it took us from the block to going to the bank and cash a $1,000 check. You know what I'm saying? A $800 check. You know, some of the homies, that money wasn't good enough and they went right back to the street and wound up in prison again. Right. Everybody wasn't getting paid the same thing. So some of the homies was like, fuck them pennies, I'm going back to the streets. So soon, and it's not his fault because if I give you $900 every week, every two weeks, and you accept it, you can't complain about it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, everybody wind up back in the hood or in prison. Wow. Just I like him. him. Yeah. Just like him. So did nobody win out of uh, $573 million uh, corporation? Wow. At one point, everybody lost, and he lost it all. The the business, the, everything that came with that bro, he lost it all because he didn't have it here. He was gone. He he wouldn't in it no more, and he didn't go to court. So they they auctioned that shit. That shit is gone. So she'll come home if she'll come home today. She would have to start from scratch, and he'll be a broke motherfucker just like everybody else that's still in the neighborhood. Wow. Mm. And that's the fucked up part about it. How do you go from, from riches to just rags? Right. Damn. So it seemed like it seemed like from the first time I already saw you on, on YouTube doing the interviews and stuff, um, I know you carried a lot of anger towards Ooh. Suge for a while. Right. Has, has and, and since, since you started, you know, um, becoming, you know, very known, you know, through the interviews and YouTube and now the podcast and all that stuff. Is it fair to say that being able to talk about it has been kind of a, a release for you and, and, uh, and, and, and it's kind of allowing you to let go of some of that anger now. It's kind of been like a therapy for you to talk about it and release some of it. I've, I've let it all go. I let my brother go. I, I, I was able to talk my way and understand my whole situation by being on Vlad and talk about it or just laying down after that discussion and just saying, damn, you know what I'm saying? I had so much anger in me from 2002 all the way to, to doing the first interview with, with Greg Katie, you know, and just seeing the pain that I had, me looking at this video, it was like, damn. And Losing my moms, I had to, I had to figure out a way to to channel what I was feeling toward the neighborhood, Shook, uh, the guy that killed my brother. Because mind you, the guys that killed my brother is guys that off the same block. So now I got to figure out my purpose of being a blood, and what I, I waste a lot of time and energy to put my life on the line for something that took life for me. You know what I'm saying? 
So I had to really figure it out. I would never throw it up again. I would never say it again. I would never claim it again. I would never be a part of that ever. And I don't give a fuck how nobody feel. You feel me? If you bring that to me today, you better kill me or I'm gonna kill you. That's how I feel about it. I'm done with that part. I'm, uh, I had son, I came back from Australia and I son shook some money. And I son shook some money basically to say, you did that for me when I got out of prison, I'm gonna send something to you because I'm in a situation now. Uh, and just to let him know, I'm not, I'm not gonna bash you again. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on your name. I'm. I'm straight. I'm good. I ain't mad at you and nobody else. Did he reach out I'm, to you after that? Yeah, he said thank you. He said thank you. Good looking. Uh, for this having a phone conversation and all that or writing, I, we don't have to do that. Yeah, we don't I, have to. I, do I that. saw at one point in one of the interviews you had said at one point you had, you had wanted to write a letter to him, but then you didn't want to get no fucked up letter back. So you decided. Yeah, because like, then I'm, I got to be fucked up forever now. If, yeah. if, I wrote, <laughs> if I wrote him and I, I'm not good with rejection, you reject me, I'm going to reject you forever. There ain't no coming back to it and saying I'm, I'm yeah. sorry or none of that shit. Let it be what it is. To me, this is a man's game. Gang banging mm. is a man's game. And, and if you, you got to accept everything that come with it. Mm -hmm. I had no time to, to play with Shug because he's in prison. Uh, everything I said or say, I think is that's my honesty. He can say, well, if that's how he feel, that's how he feel. Okay. If Shug say something about me, that's how he feel. Okay, cool. If we ever run into each other, then we can address how we feel. But other than that, I gotta let it go and, and stop hating and snapping at other people that that's that's here in, in my circle, opposed to you know just feeling the way I was feeling about somebody that's far gone. You your know mom, what I'm saying? Your, your, your mom kind of your mom kind of kind of foreseen the future because I know at one point when you said when your brother passed, you was angry and you wanted to do something for him. What was it that she told you? you, you My mom told me to let it go, leave Shug alone. Shug gonna get what he got coming to him. Because my mother then was, my mom used to tell me, fuck you, you're a hater, the whole nine when it came to Shug. You going against me with another motherfucker? And then when my brother was killed, and and Shug told her, you don't have to worry about nothing. Out and kids, bunch of kids don't have to worry about nothing. And when my nephew truck got repo because he said he took care of it, now they start to see the real Shug. You know what I'm saying? So then she started seeing, once she saw the difference, my sister and everybody, my, I mean, I had everybody against me telling them what the fuck is going on and what's gonna happen. When my brother was killed, my mom's pretty much wished that why it wasn't me opposed to Buncher. Mm. You feel me? So I'm I'm just ready to eat everything I can. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying, I, I had so much hatred for my moms, my sisters. I really didn't want to fuck with none of them. But then at the end of the day, the last two years of my mom's life, man, I left my wife and went and took care of her. I moved back to Compton in the house with her to do 24 seven. You feel me? 
knowing how she felt about me and about she was it was me and that cast opposed to my brother and and i really believe that that my brother died because of me you feel me because i should have been the big brother and i should have snatched him out the shit but Bunchy wasn't no little nigga. Bunchy was holding some 20s, 21s maybe. Big old solid, strong motherfucker. So our fights wasn't like they was when we were kids. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and he was a grown ass man. My game banging getting down was different from his, as well as my other little brother. So I had to let him be a man. But I never expected the homies to kill my brother. I never expected my moms to blame me for it and to wish that the the, the persons in that in that box was me. She rather have been me than him. And taking care of her when she explained to me what she meant, I've always been the asshole in the family. I've always been disrespectful to her in the family. I've always been, fuck you, the homies first, the whole nine. She mm-hmm. said, one day you'll see your friends ain't shit. Your family counts. And at the end of the day, I seen that. And once we squashed what we had, I felt a hell of a lot better about me. You know what I'm saying? So I backed away from everything and, and left that whole situation alone when Alton passed and once my mother died, everything died that I felt. Everything died with her, you feel me? So I didn't have that every February the 5th, I wanna grab my pistol and go kill somebody. I didn't feel like that no more. I didn't feel like I need to get drunk and just just be Mom James. I I didn't feel that no more. And it made me a better person today. I'm, and I'm still working on it. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never, you know, knew you. The first time I met you was a few weeks ago in Vegas, and um, but just from watching the interviews, growing up in LA, knowing the mentality, I can just tell that you not who you say you were back then. You know, I can just tell your demeanor, and you know, and 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 you know, even though I know you, I'm proud of it, like. Yeah, everybody can hear the kids like this. This man is raising his grandson. You know, you hear all the, right. all, the all the stories of all the toughness and the gangster stuff. But now he's he's Papa raising his grandson. Right. You know, yeah, I, a, a I didn't know. Don't understand okay. that. You know, we got to grow up sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna be a 57 year old gang member. I can't be. You know what I'm saying? I realize I'm a man. You know. And it took a long time for me to understand what a man is. You know what I'm saying? And that's what half of us need to get to. We got to understand the difference. If you don't know the difference, I don't give a fuck if you got a female and you fucking the shit out of it. That don't make you a man. It don't make you a man because you got 13 kids. Are you taking care of them? You know what I'm saying? And I know my position. Little boy, you turn it. This dude giving me the blues, though. <laughs> and, you know, he's part of my keeping me grounded. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he stopped my hangout. He stopped me from wanting to go and kick it and, and, and all that shit. You know, I, I got so much liquor in my house. I don't touch it because I have a priority. He's my priority. 
uh, I got to cook for him three times a day or, and make him a snack. You know what I'm saying? I got to put him in the tub. I got to take him outside and play with him because he said, Papa, come play with me. You feel me? Yeah. So I stopped a lot of shit just to do this. And I've been doing this going almost, I know three years for sure. It'll be five in July. And I had him when he was seven, eight months. By so, yourself? Yeah, just me and him. Wow. Just me and him. So, you know, it's, he amazing got when, he's home. it's amazing when I see a lot of lot of brothers that I knew from home, you know, that was, you know, really deep into game banging. The ones that was fortunate enough to make it out to, right. to be the age we are now and to see the change in them, you know, wanting better for their kids. Like most, none of them are, none of them kids is game banging. They, you know, college, going to college and doing good. And and it, 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 it's almost kind of sad when you think about the ones that didn't make it. They didn't get, they didn't get a chance to, to mature out of that. You know what I mean? And and, and they lost their life. Right, going there, one more talk. Well, for me, they, I they got either the lost their, they, yeah, they either lost their life or their freedom. And right. you know, they don't they don't get to experience what you all are experienced now, you right. know. Me, I got the best of both worlds. My two sons went to college. If 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 I helped them just with the books or sending that money to eat and, and they rooms, they room and board and shit, I was good with that. I didn't have it then, you know what I'm saying? but I supported my sons. My daughter, I raised my daughter when her mama was out robbing liquor stores and shit and doing nine year bids in prison. I had my daughter, I took her. But when I had my daughter, I was in the streets, I'm riding motorcycles. And, and when I was riding motorcycles, they said, your daughter need tennis shoes. I, and I'm gonna keep it 100. I was saying my motorcycle need gas too. <laughs> I would break off half and do the other half and I'm on the run. You know what I'm saying? So I was fortunate to have my sisters that kept it 100 with me and, and, and helped me raise it. This one is her child. And now she's in jail doing her and want to be her. But the whole time I had her, I tried to teach her, you don't want a man like your dad. You don't want to be or have a man that just want to have sex and you have a baby by him and he disappear. I got three baby mamas, possible four. And, but I got a good relationship with all of them though. You know what I'm saying? But you don't want to, you don't want a man like your daddy. You don't want a man that sit here and got to cuss out a woman. I don't fight him, but I cuss your ass out. <laughs> so when I allowed her to go back to her moms, her moms had me to believe that she had her shit back together and she's being productive, not knowing that her mom's was back on her BS shit. And my daughter just got loose. She, she joined the South Sides and she became her, you know? And these kids today don't want to listen to what's right. But I still got her back though. You know, when she come home, I'm gonna have a car for her. I want her to come here and stay here, but I'm only, I'm, I still got that tough love. You know what I'm saying? You can come here and you can stay a year, but you're going to have to be working. And, and that's the only way you can take this car about this motherfucking garage is 
if you working and you doing what you have to do and get let's get a place for you and your son because it's time for me to be on vacations and shit i can't be <laughs> raising no baby at my age <laughs> real shit man it's it's just good you know so yeah. when she come home and i just hope she understand and and you know she you know the letters she write i should have listened to you dad you know what I'm saying? Fuck that if I should have, could have. If I would have knew what I know now. It don't mean nothing at that point. Because now you experience something your daddy experienced. Did you want to go to prison because your mama went to prison? That don't make you nobody. So now she kind of like understand that. So I, I just hope when she come home, she'll be all right. But when she come home, everything will be there for her. But she going to have to mm -hmm. work for it. I'm not just mm -hmm. giving it to her. She got to work for it. The blessing Dad. is she got, she got somewhere stable to come home to, which is oh important. yeah, oh yeah. I got a bedroom for her already. I mean, she good when she come, but she gotta show me, like I like I had her mom's, and this time I can't be fooled. Yeah, I can't be fooled. So so let me ask you this, and and we can start winding down. Um, since you started, since you did the you know the first couple of um interviews on YouTube. Um, with Vlad and what was the other one you said the first one you did Greg King yeah has has your uh, uh, obviously your popularity has grown from those has and 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 has it changed your life any opportunity have you got different opportunities and all that from 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 those interviews and the popularity you've gotten from that has it changed your yeah. life any dramatically man um I have so many people reaching out to me and want to work with me and want to talk to me. Uh, it sent me to Australia, free trip. Wow. Food, the whole nine. Uh, the COVID hit and I was supposed to be in the UK and, you know, just people just, just want to do just all kind of shit with me. And now Gangster Chronicles is doing so good. We got people offering us a, a radio station deal uh, I got a book coming out. I got the motorcycle show. These people get at me and say, we didn't know you had ties to the motorcycle set. Um, yeah, well, I got ties to the motorcycle set. I've been on the motorcycle set for a long time. Uh, I was the president. Uh, I've been, in, I've been involved in so much shit, but I got so many people getting at me today that I, I never thought that it happened to me I, that I would be in this position, not the way I live my life, not the shit that I've done in my life. I never thought that I'll be that that person that other people are listening to. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I got so many people that call my phone because I give my number up to, to catch that. If you got an issue, man, I can talk to you and maybe I can help you. I got so many people that I talk to. Uh, I had this one cat in particular that lived in Texas, and his brother called me. He a realtor. He called me and told me that he's going to lose his brother to the streets. Uh, I, yeah, I'll talk to you, brother. And he, he thanked me. I talked to the guy, and uh, the conversation went well. Man, how did you get uh, James on the phone? And woo, 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 woo. Man, I'm talking to James. After that conversation, two weeks later, he's back at the same shit. 
So his brother said, called me, told me he was back on the same bullshit. I hopped in my car and I went to Texas. Wow. And when I went to Texas, just pull up right here. So I pulled up and he was fucked up that I came all the way from here to go there and to see and talk to him personally. Now that brother is doing good. Now him and his brother got a better relationship. And, you know, it, it made me feel good from where I come from and all the destruction I caused that I can actually help somebody that's living the way I did right. to be a better person. But you know, it was a trouble. You said that you never thought coming from where you came from that these things would start to happen, would happen for you. Yeah. It's happening for you because the change in you. When the good change came, the good things come. You know what I mean? The blessings coming now that you are doing positive things and good things and they're going to continue to come, you know? Once, I believe once I start giving things to God because I didn't, I wouldn't, the word God to me at that time back in the days was a sign of weakness. You get the thank you, Jesus, in front of the homies, they're going to think it's something different. Now, I don't have a problem with saying thank you, Jesus. I don't have a problem getting on my knees and praying to God. So that was my turnaround. Right. You know what I'm saying? to really show that I, I turned my life around and I don't have a beef and I don't have a urge to, to hurt another brother. Right. Unless he feel like he want to hurt me. Right. Ain't got a problem. I'm going right. to kill your motherfucking ass. I'm, gonna get, <laughs> I'm too old to sit here and, and, and want to strap now because the last fight I had, my lips turned white. I was tired as a motherfucker. <laughs> my right. lips and was white. Bring it on. <laughs> And I, I knew right then and there, you getting old. Yeah. And I don't I don't have the time for it. So I don't regardless of what people say and how they feel, you know, I'm I have been embraced by a lot of people that's from different backgrounds, such as mine. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I've I've had a lot of people reach out to me. And I'm in a good place. I, I see that, um, and 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 I should have um, excused you for not talk, saying that in the beginning in the intro. But also, you all, they um, James is part of a podcast called Gangster Chronicles with um, MC8 from Compton's Most Wanted and um, a brother named Steel. So y'all check that out too, Gangster Chronicles. I watched I, that before. And, and speaking, I did. Of, I watched it. And speaking of that, I see. I was I was watching one earlier today. Um, and I saw it when, when it was doing the credits. Is Charlemagne the God? He's 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 uh, executive producer for you guys' um, podcast. Yeah, well, we was lucky enough to, for him to look at us and see the potential in us, and he launched Black Effects, and he wanted us on Black Effects. So wow. Black Effects, iHeart. It was a privilege to me. That's Everything great. that happened to me. I don't take for granted. I'm not looking at uh, becoming or having riches overnight. I know what it's like to start from the bottom and work my way to the top. Um, it was just a, it was an honor to me. So I told Norm, let's do it. And since we did that, we are the top three out of out, out of everybody he put on that podcast on Black Effects. So we've been at number three since the beginning, That's and. Good. We was number one. We're in the top five the whole time. So 
we doing a million and something downloads. So we good. Wow. And, wow. Man, I, just, I just thank you. You need to hit man. the button on now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, I, 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 I black God. folks podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Black folks we need to show the man too. <laughs> well, that's real. good, man. That's great. That's that's great. Now we're trying to take it to the radio and get into the prison system. And you know, I had the privilege of working with the kids down in Dallas, Texas, uh juvenile systems, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to show them the difference and you know, don't look at boys in the hood and all that shit and think it's cool to be gang members. That's TV. It ain't that easy on the street. You, it's repercussions behind everything. Right. And if you ain't ready for those, for, for, for it, then you shouldn't be it. What you see in trying to emulate on TV on all these half-ass so-called rap gangsters, all of them ain't cut like that. They can rap about that shit. But they not that. And I've seen a lot of them that I know ain't that. Right. I know they not that. And you know, it was a we had a it was a success. You know, some of them little cats are still writing and doing their thing. And I, I was just proud to be a part of that shit too. You know, yeah, I spent good. a whole lot of time in Los Padrinas. I spent so much time in that motherfucker, I still know that address. Stop. Y'all that don't know, that's the juvenile center. In, in, in yeah. LA. <laughs> yeah, Lost Virginia's. Yeah. I, I was going that motherfucker that damn near every other week. If they didn't <laughs> hold me for six months, I was going in and my moms would come get me. I'd go back, she'd come get me. I stayed six months, eight months, and the rest, I was just going back and forth two weeks. She'd, she'd let me sit in that motherfucker a week. <laughs> but I stayed in there long enough to know the address. Right. I memorized that shit and I still know it. <laughs> so I, I'm just blessed to be here after, you know, with all the shit that I've been through in my life. Right, right. And trust me, it's a whole lot of brothers out there like me. It's yeah. a whole lot of brothers out there like me that this was the only way. You know, you're in the hood, you stuck. Uh, my choices was limited. And I made it work for me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna be a statistic. I was gonna be that motherfucker that made statistics. So it worked for me. Unfortunately, I lost my brother. I lost a little homie. I lost a lot of homies. A uh, little hand dog that was on death row. I lost him. You know, I lost family. I lost family. And right now today, I can say that I'm trying my best to give back. You know, I went to Australia with Death Row t-shirts with every guy that lost their life at Death Row. And the support that I had out there, all the way back here, I was able to give that money I made to them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Fuck going in my pocket. I gave it to their grandkids. They not here, but the grandkids got it. Right. My brother, my brother kids got it. You know what I'm saying? So I was just blessed to be able to do that. And and that's when I knew I was on the right path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, you keep doing what you're doing, man. And I, I'm, I'm glad to have met you and um, hope to stay in touch. You know, we do some more stuff together. I know we talked time. a little bit when we was in Vegas with me, you and Steel. And I look forward to, you know, working with you all, hopefully on some other stuff. Um, whenever y'all down this way, you know, I'm in Atlanta now, so... 
And feel free to call. Y'all and do. I'm in Dallas. I hear you say that you be in Dallas. So I'm yeah, in we Dallas. Coming. We coming for real. And this is me. I mean, we all in, in the in the same business while we all can't make money and 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 do our things and and appreciate the next person. You know, you got a lot of people out here hating because your show doing better than theirs or whatever. Right. I congratulate. I, I've never been one of those kind of guys. I appreciate y'all even asking me to come on your show. You know what I'm saying? So, man, let's let's get it together. Let's get it together because there's a lot of it out there. We, let's enjoy it. Yeah, Absolutely. man, with, 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 with today's technology and, and everything, man, it's no excuse for all of us that, that want to do good for our people. We got the platforms to do it. And right. I spent, a, you know, spent a lot of money on this equipment and everything. I won't make a dime out of this, but I do it because I want to. We want to put out um, good entertain, good good information for our people. That's not no bullshit, no ratchet shit. You know, sometimes exactly. it's fun, sometimes it's educational, but we want good content. And do right. we want to make money one day? Yeah, I hope so. But if, but right now we're doing for the love of it, you know. And right. we can have people like you to have experience things that can share and educate people. And, you know, we've just been really blessed the last probably six podcasts, man. We've been having, last week we had um, John Carlos, John Carlos, you know, one of the brothers from the 68 Olympics that had his fish in the air. Great interview. If you get a chance, go check it out. He, he was, it was really, right, really right. good. But, you know, that's what we're about, networking, man. So, again, whatever we can do for Gangster Chronicles or the, or the other one you're getting ready to start with the bike, because she, she ride bikes too. Um, okay. You know, when you guys are down here and y'all need, you know, some equipment or whatever, whatever, man, we just network and work together. Whenever you need me to come on your show, whatever it is, same here, brother. I got you. I'm uh, there. No questions asked. I appreciate it, man. Again, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, congratulations on all the things you got going. Congratulations on your change and, and, and the positive things you're doing. Yes. Man. And I look forward appreciate to it. I look forward to a lot more things coming from, from you, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate both of y'all. It's the Dear Black Folks Podcast.